Okie dokie. Hello there and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Adam, I didn't see the new run sheet. Are, are we supposed to be talking about snow tires for the hour? Is that... Oh, you didn't get your snows on, eh? <laughs> Every year. <laughs> It's like no. the first event of like, okay, who's going to be talking snow tires? Everybody. Yeah. Except us, I guess. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a car to put snow tires on. And I did take an Uber later. I didn't think to ask the Uber driver if he had his snows on, but... I guess I mean, that's a fair question. Excuse me, it's freezing rain. Do you have snow tires on? <laughs> oh, hey, can you send an Uber with some snows, eh? <laughs> uh... A Canadian moment. It, it is a Canadian moment, that's for sure. Uh, open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be David Anderson, who is a Wellington County councillor for the town of Minto. And he's also the chair of the Social Services Committee at the county. He's going to talk about the challenges on housing and homelessness and how the county is working in collaboration with the city of Guelph to help out those in our community who are struggling. That's going to be at the bottom half of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few few news items from the last week, including the discourse as the war in Gaza heats up. So is the rhetoric in this side of the world, and we're going to talk about that. But first, since we are talking about the war in Gaza... Uh, we're going to actually talk about the the real war. Um, and it has sort of accelerated since the last time we were talking about this. Uh, it, Israeli defense forces are on the ground in Gaza. They have more or less cut the Gaza Strip in half, north and south ends. Uh, as reported on Wednesday, it seemed that tanks and uh, forces had surrounded Gaza. The intention is that they're going to be going in and pretty much going block by block, uh, tunnel by tunnel, to try and uh, both rescue uh, the 250-some-odd hostages that Hamas has, as well as, obviously, um, route Hamas. This is not without some controversy, though. Bibi Netanyahu, who's the Prime Minister of Israel, was doing interviews on Sunday where he essentially said that it's his intention that Israel's going to reoccupy Gaza, and he did not put a time limit on that, which has a lot of people who are obviously very deeply concerned about the threats of ongoing violence and what a newly reoccupied Gaza might mean for the Palestinian people who seem to be taking the brunt of this. Over 10,000 people uh, have been killed in Gaza. That's at least the number from Hamas. But the Pentagon has said that thousands of people have died and 10,000 people is tens is 10,000 so it's probably not a bad number to work off of even though it is a bad number this is getting worse all the time even if we're kind of not hearing it almost constantly through the day as as we were a month ago but uh, this is a deeply serious situation that is as we probably said the first couple of times we talked about, this is going to get worse before it gets better. 
Yeah, at the point where it almost doesn't seem like it could, it definitely will. And as the death toll you mentioned, plus in addition, there'll be lots of people still trapped, maybe never found, right? So mm -hmm. 10,000 might be on the low end. And granted, the number is coming from Hamas. And I, sh I jumped the gun to topic two and say, who are a bunch of pricks, by the way? <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. So there's mm -hmm. no misunderstanding as to where I'm or we're coming from. Mm -hmm. I believe we're in agreement on that, of course. Yes. But yeah, the dis discussions with Netanyahu and, and uh, Biden on Monday talking about a pause, a tactical pause or a little pause, tiny pause versus ceasefire, which is also... Well, it sounds like I would think the majority of people are using the word ceasefire as opposed to pause. I guess we're going to talk about language in, in topic two as well and how mm -hmm. that's approach is. But mm -hmm. pause, ceasefire, whatever you, you want to call it, the assault on civilians has to stop. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to. Netanyahu and company have made it clear that they're not going to do that. So when is enough? UN uh, Secretary General Guterres saying Gaza is pretty much becoming a graveyard for children. It would seem half of that number that you mentioned is children. Mm. It's more kids that have been killed in conflicts. I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I did see a graph saying, okay, and these are grim, grim numbers. Mm -hmm. Just brutal that aren't obviously aren't going to get any better until Israel gets what it wants, which is Hamas and the hostages back, of course, but the technique, the methods, it's, it's getting to the point where there's, it's, they're surprising. Some of the people are saying, oh, you really should, you really should back up on this knowing full well that they're not going to mm -hmm. UN can say UN is UN have lost a ton of people. We mentioned before journalists, I believe that number is up to 40 yeah. and increasing on top of everybody else uh doctors like you name it like everyone as far as israel is concerned is fair game if you're in there you're you're just the enemy mm -hmm. if you happen to be in there and that includes the people that are well everyone is trapped at this point but there's a bit of activity on the rafa border crossing some canadians have gotten out and that's that's a question I was wondering about. Adam, I don't know if anybody has the answers. Like, why is that taking so long? I realize there's security issues there, but it seems to be other countries seem to be managing it. Like, how do you get on this magic list that they have? Yeah. For people to get out. It's it's not very clear. Mm -hmm. Although Trudeau was on today saying, well, we, we got these, you know, we got 80 people out or however many it is. And that's fine. That's an accomplishment, I suppose. But it's it's not very clear as to how like what is going on on the ground there, at all. So, but it is a chaotic situation too. To be fair, so I mean, it's also worth noting that uh, diplomatically speaking, we're a little light in the region. There are a lot of different posts that don't have full ambassadors at the moment. So that that could be part of it. It's just we don't have the diplomatic connections there. I mean, th this seems to be where Canada fails on the world stage at times is just these moments of crises where we just don't have the person power in place <laughs> and suppose we used to be good at it right this is the sure. this is the failing right it's like it we it seems to be something that we were able to do at some point we i mean canada mm -hmm. in the post-war world war ii world and yeah so 
I don't know if there'll ever be an analysis on that. Maybe it's my job to do it. I don't know. But <laughs> it uh, does seem odd. So, I mean, it's, it's, I guess maybe it's all of our jobs, but, um, I, I, this could be said about our government on a lot of issues. We just kind of seem to go from crisis to crisis, from headline to headline. Nobody ever seems to really stop. And I mean, there was that report this week that, um, we need to fix the RCMP because it's a national security threat because of the systemic problems in management there. And it's like, well, gee, I could have sworn there was a point a couple of years ago where we were talking about reorganizing the RCMP. That's getting off topic. Isn't there a study somewhere? Yeah. 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 We'll have another There's, study. I'm almost absolutely certain there was a study. Mm. But to, to to get back to, to Gaza here, yeah, the, the UN uh has lost more people in the like in the history of all their humanitarian efforts the last 75 80 years this has been the one that's cost the most 89 people which is just you know you'd think humanitarian workers would be off limits uh doesn't seem to be and this is where it's you know i i think it's always come sort of back to this the the un um commissioner on human rights volker turk um, this is a quote from him. The atrocities perpetuated by Palestinian armed groups on September on 7 October were heinous, brutal and shocking. They were war crimes, as is the continual holding of hostages, the collective punishment of Israel, of of Palestinian civilians amounts also to a war crime, as does the unlawful, forcible eviction of civilians. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of language that I, I mean, we've heard that before from people in the UN, but I mean, that's also the type of language that doesn't seem to go anywhere because, you know, the United States holds up its veto and uh, things don't get passed at the Security Council in regards to this. I I do. There was a theory of the, the, the of, of the game that Joe Biden has been sort of overly solicitous to Netanyahu, this kind of idea of praise and public censure and private. And that might be the case. That might have been the strategy um, that Biden had going into this. But um, if they are censuring in private, it doesn't seem to be having any impact on what's going on on the ground in Gaza. And um, at, at which point you have to sort of maybe ask yourself, well, you know, maybe it's time to be a little more forceful, a little more public with the censure that, you know, yeah, it's as you said, Hamas is terrible, but even if like they could clear every tunnel in Gaza, uh, most of the Hamas's leadership isn't in Gaza. I think the, the head guys in uh, Qatar. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you could, you know, you can have these expressions about, you, you, you know, cutting the head off the snake. Well, this, the snake's head isn't there. It's all body. Um, so, uh, you know, what is this really for? hostage recovery sure um but i mean getting rid of the i guess leveling gaza isn't going to to do a lot to get to the 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 leadership you know at, at the end of the day um when the united states went into afghanistan uh in 2001 the goal was to get bin Laden. it wasn't to get every single last taliban and al-qaeda person it was to get the al-qaeda leadership that planned and it and um and, and executed the attacks. It wasn't to um, to do the other things. So, you know, this thing kind of seems doomed to failure um, in that regard. And in the meantime, it's the poor civilians, you know, 214 people killed in a 24-hour period. That doesn't sound good. 
Well, and that's it, right? I mean, this has more of a feel of Colin Powell and the weapons of mass destruction, right? Mm -hmm. That's not to say that the Hamas attack wasn't a real thing, but it's the aftermath of the going in and uh, you know, thinking back to those days when Iraq kicked off in 2003 mm -hmm. and oh, it's strategic, it's surgical bombing. It's we're just, we're bombing very specific targets, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's, this exists in some kind of alternate reality. How on earth is this defending yourself, which is the tr the line that just keeps getting trotted out, defending yourself. Yeah. These people have no food, no fuel, no medicine, displacement massive, everyone. There's nowhere safe. There's no water. You're dying in a collapsed building. There's no electricity. How isn't this a humanitarian crisis? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Artificially created, right? That's it's 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 not as if it was a hurricane or a typhoon this is like conscious othering of people and human life doesn't matter when you do that like you don't care how mm -hmm. how many bodies you see it on that is believe some of the bleakest news we've seen in ages mm. kids wrapped up in sheets yeah how, how many are enough you're you're meting out this like biblical level of retribution or whatever yeah based on based on exactly that right we have we have this right to do this because an old story said this is our place to do this mm -hmm. and but it's not mm -hmm. so I, I blinken can say whatever biden can say whatever until there's action rather than just saying you know hamas was wrong but also you know it's it's very it's it's wrong for the israelis to do this and then it's the pounce Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's this like, how, how dare you say that? I, I don't know where it's going to end. I, they, they just they need a bunch of physical Hamas corpses and a bunch of other corpses as collateral damage and the hostages freed who may already be corpses. We don't know. Well, that's the thing is that um, uh, I was listening to somebody talk about like some of the bombs they're using in airstrikes are like a thousand, two thousand pound bombs which are not typically the types of bombs you use in urban warfare because they're so massive. And then, yeah, you're trying to take out people hiding in tunnels and yeah, there's like miles and miles of tunnels under Gaza. But I, I think Hamas even said like, Hey, you guys have already killed some hostages in your strike. And again, take whatever Hamas says with a grain of salt, mm. but it certainly doesn't seem like they're being surgical in some of these bombing efforts to, to try and avoid, potentially killing hostages and um yeah i i do i do wonder like what is the you know what is the end game here and you know what happens when they've gotten their retribution like do they rebuild gaza and what's you know what happens to the palestinians that survive are they going to still have a place in gaza is some is someone in the Israeli government going to take charge to make sure all homes are rebuilt and all kids who are now orphaned have, you know, homes to live in and people to take care of them? Are they going to turn the water back on? Is there going to be any water left? Are they going to make sure these people are fed and provided for? I'm not 100% sure that was the case before. They certainly weren't getting enough aid in Gaza before this. And then, I mean, what happens then how does the cycle repeat itself then because uh i think we talked about this before but like for hamas it's a win-win they cut israel they cut deep on october 7th 
and Israel's um, retaliation. Um, they're just creating a new the, the next generation of of Hamas fighters. Whether it's like you know whether they're still calling themselves Hamas or they end up calling themselves something else, you know, there's a group of young people who are going to probably come out of this pretty pissed off at Israel. Oh, and, absolutely. And the world, and the world, I should add. Yeah, but I mean, the end game is to get rid of everybody that's there, whether it's to kill them at the rate they're going or for mm. them to leave mm. is the plan. Mm. Like, why else, if you're leaving them with zero infrastructure and, and nothing under the guise of trying to get at these tunnels, somebody, I looked it up. I was like, okay, how deep are these tunnels? It's something like 20 meters underground. Mm. You can lob a pretty serious bomb at that and you're not going to get at the tunnel. Even might cave in maybe, right? Mm. But mm. you flatten a building on top of that. And that was, I saw there was some traffic about pictures of a tunnel that they think is at one of the hospitals. Like, here's, here's the tunnel. And supposedly the person that designed the place was like, no, no, that's the water reservoir. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying this? Again, it's going back to like, we know they have chemical weapons. Mm. We just have to get at them. It's like, there, there's the tunnel right there. And it, you know, if you look at it, it's a hole in the ground, but it's like, if you were building a secret tunnel, would you like have this open square in the middle of a hospital? Like it just makes no sense. Speaking of what's instability, there's some instability going on here. Certainly there has been reports of increased anti-Semitic hate crimes, increased uh, Islamophobic hate crimes. Um, rarely do these things get reported together though. Although I will cite the CTV nightly news. They, made a point of talking about both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism together in a report on Tuesday night, which was good to see. Um, but there does seem to be a sort of tit for tat now between uh, who is doing stuff that's anti-Semitic and who is doing stuff that is um, Islamophobic. Uh, certainly there was somebody who threw uh, Molotov cocktails at a Jewish community center slash synagogue in uh, the Montreal uh, suburb, uh, the Dollar Dollar des Amos suburb in Montreal. Uh, but you know there has been a lot of um, people who are part of the Muslim faith who are certainly feeling that fear too. Uh, mosques are in high alert. Uh, Muslim community centers are in high alert too. Uh, it seems that you know just kind of nothing good in that regard and that these two groups have sort of ended up being pitted against each other although there is um th there is a lot of overlap with uh you know a lot of jewish people are protesting with islam uh with with muslim people about what's going on in the west bank but um the way it's sort of being framed in the discourse right now it uh it seems like our Jewish friends and our Muslim friends are being pitted against each other. Yeah, and sadly that the joint demonstrations kind of get lost in in the fray, mm -hmm. and some of that fray is very real. A lot of it is is even just people saying things online. Uh, but to to speak to the real threat, there was that um, incident at uh, Cornell. Mm -hmm. There was somebody threatening to come and shoot Jewish people. Mm -hmm. There's the doxing truck at harvard mm -hmm. displaying the names of uh, palestinian students that had signed on to a letter that wasn't hard enough on hamas so they were driving around with this truck saying you know this person is an anti-semite mm -hmm. um getting out of hand 
So there's it's at two levels. There is that direct threat, as you were saying, but there's also this this other people trying to interpret what is hate speech and doing a very terrible job of it. We talked mm-hmm. about this a couple of weeks ago with Sarah Jama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashid Tlaib in the House of Representatives has been censured as well in a very similar way to Sarah Jamo because she used the phrase from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Uh, and that is, it's not even gray area. That saying that isn't hate speech. Mm-hmm. Just because Israeli people don't like when that's said about Palestine doesn't make it hate speech. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to give you examples of hate speech just in case I get taken <laughs> out of context, but I think everybody else, we can tell you what isn't hate speech and saying that phrase isn't same with in, in Calgary, there was a, a protest, mm. uh, support of Palestine protest protest are arrested for using the exact same phrase and charged with hate speech for saying that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's going to fail. This person will get off of the charges because that is not hate speech as said by the, um, by the law, the law in Canada, which it is, you know, first amendment in the States is different from here. Yeah. But if you, it, you know, hate speech is if you're saying. Well, we also have this- some very prescribed laws about hate speech, which is something in the United States doesn't have. Yeah. For us, it's incitement. If you are saying, go after these people for XYZ reasons, mm-hmm. that's hate speech. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, trotting out the swastika, which seems to happen on Parliament Hill, has happened again. Well, I have some notes about that, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, it just, there was, the Maple did a report, um, and I didn't necessarily agree with all of their conclusions, um, but all the reports about that sign, which was uh, a swastika with an equal sign and uh, the Star of David, and it says, like, Zionism is the new Nazism. Um, it's all based on the one social media picture. And if you look at the picture, it's it looks like somebody's kind of just, like, walking by at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, the maple seemed to indicate that the photo was doctored. I don't think the photo was doctored. Like, I don't think somebody, like... Their argument was like, well, the image is blurry. I was like, well, the whole image is blurry. Like, it's 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 not a great picture. It looks like somebody was taking it on the sly because they didn't want this person to get attention. Um, but it, it just seems like what a weird thing that you know. What we have one picture, one source, and you know, the Maple talked to like camera um operators from different networks who were there taking footage mm-hmm. like hey did you see this sign and no they didn't see the sign you think swastika turns up yeah i didn't get it like are we so numb to the swastika that it doesn't get attention anymore <laughs> but, oh it does when it's in the antique mall in, in uh galt but anyway another story but <laughs> a ridiculous story by the way maybe for another day but is it's along the lines right but anyway I, we need we need three to for it to become a trend. I mean, we had the one in Alora. Was it Alora or Almira? I get those two confused. But uh, put it this way, I've seen that I've seen that stuff in every antique mall I've been in. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> and I've been to a lot. So, <laughs> Scotty's a big antiquer. Um, no, it's it's you know the whole thing about the the line you know from the river to the sea. Um, I they, they, there's been some 
dives on sort of what the origin of that is. And it's, I will say that the origins of it are kind of sketchy. But having said that, I've been to protests for years um, about, you know, the situation in the occupied territories or just generally about Mideast peace. I've always, like, that's always been a chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time I've heard it. It's a hate, it's hate speech. So and that seems to be a thing now. That seems to be a thing that now it's hate speech. And I'm not sure you can say something. Well, you, you can, you know, there, there are examples of something that we kind of, it kind of clicks into place and we realize it's hate speech. But like, if that's what you've got, um, yeah, you can drill down and find sketchy origins to it. But I, I, I don't think anyone or everyone who's chanting that is saying, let's get rid of Israel. I think mm-hmm. they're tr- you know, I think that there has to be sort of like a clear intent to that. And I also don't think like proctoring. I mean, there there was a line at the Guelph one a couple of weeks ago where they said, and uh, there was a chant Antifada now. And it's like, yeah, that sounds pretty bad because Antifada has, you know, been taken to mean um, like the literal killing of Israeli people. Um, it, but, you know, it, the origin of that word has nothing to do with killing. It's sort of like really, really kind of generic, like struggle. Um, And, you know, if we're going to, if we're to take this as sort of like an opportunity to have like a learning about like what these things mean and what their origins are, that's great. But I don't like the idea of, you know, people chanting stuff at protests for years and now suddenly being arrested because somebody has decided it's hate speech. That's not great either. Well, I, th- I think it comes down to, they just want to charge somebody with something to shut them up mm-hmm. and they don't know what it is. They don't, they don't know. They, you could probably come up with a dozen things at any given protest of people breaking rules to some degree. Sure. But I don't, I don't think they actually know what they're doing in these instances. It's like, if somebody's saying, and this has been said, it's like, oh, if you've got a Palestinian flag, that's the equivalent of Hamas. Incorrect. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, you know, a, a Palestinian flag at a protest in Canada is, is no more a Hamas flag than, you know, the F Trudeau flags that we saw in Ottawa. Right. Yeah. And no one got arrested. Well, that's not completely true, but well, no one got arrested for having the flag. I see those stickers on cars in town all of the time. Yeah. Are yeah. they getting charged with hate speech? No, right. of course not. It's just not happening. Let's go down to Hamilton for a second, though, where I'm sure you heard this hubbub about the cardiologist at McMaster. Deport mm-hmm. everyone at pro-Palestinian protests. Now you're steering her into the ditch there in terms of saying something that's like, mm-hmm. sorry, you just want to deport people because they're supporting Palestine and not Hamas directly. You're just, you're blanketing everyone. It's like, they should all be deported. Never heard of this person before. They chime in, bam, right? So this this is the level that we're at now. Everybody has to watch, not well, they're P's and Q's, but it's just like you have to be careful. Not, maybe you don't necessarily have to be careful of what you're saying, but it's like, you, are you, did you give this any thought to what you're saying? Yeah. Like, I, I can mean, see how you were talking about using the word intifada. It's like, it needs it needs to come with context and an explanation. And that's the problem sometimes where it's like mm. this group will take it this way, but this group on the other hand will take it that way. Yeah. Uh and so it's just it seems to be ad hoc, right? It's kind of like, well, we'll apply it here, but we won't apply it here because, well, you know, it's it was like when the the, the Nazi memorial in, in Oakville. Mm. 
was vandalized and that was supposed to be hate charges and then like two days later the cops realized they're like well it's nazis so you know and it just all disappeared right mm-hmm. <laughs> so that i mean this this is the same thing there's there's all of this now rashida talib still censured sarah jama still censored there's people who are posting things on the social media and it's affecting their careers their lives mm-hmm. uh you name it right it's never a good idea to to do that well, it's uh, not, I mean, one on person company who, time, at least. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was one person, who, there was one person who reemerged this week, uh, Ben Mulroney, who uh, had some similar sentiments, but uh, he doesn't have a career to affect <clears throat> your favorite guy. I know. I, yeah. I, that's I, like, and on the, on another level, it's like, who cares? <laughs> who cares what Ben Mulroney says? I literally forgot he, he existed anyway. Yeah. Um, What's up to now? <laughs> I, I, tweeting <laughs> he stays tweet, home and tweet tweeting with warren can stop him and warren can sell are gonna have like a podcast in two weeks mark my words um all right we're gonna yeah. take a quick break and come back with our interview with david anderson you're listening to open sources guelph here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio hi And that's a collaboration going back to 2009. It was Israel's submission for the Eurovision contest. Artists named Mira Awad and Noah. It was a collab between an Arab-Israeli and an Israeli person. And back then, it was tagged as, are you people Hamas apologists by putting this into the contest? They're loved on both (laughs) sides of the divide. And they said that they were just trying to show what is possible. Mm. I'm a a person that believes that with music, a lot of things are possible. But Mm. then again, 2009 is a while ago now. Um, but it's interesting that that thing came and went. The mm. song was called, by the way, There Must Be Another Way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, music can heal. Um, and there's always another way. And uh, we're going to chat a bit about that with uh, David Anderson, who is a counselor from Minto in Wellington County. Uh, that's on the northern end of Wellington County. So uh, you can't see it from your house. But uh, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> speaking of 2009, um, <laughs> there's uh, obviously uh, Dave Anderson is also the chair of the Social Services Committee. Uh, the budget for Guelph was released this week. And a lot of, obviously one of the big drivers of the budget is just the desperate need in our community that is not being filled like it should by the provincial government. Our social services provider is Wellington County. So uh, the Social Services Committee is where a lot of these decisions are initially made and discussed and debated. So we wanted to have uh, Dave Anderson on the show to talk about how that goes down at the Social Services Committee, uh, what kind of decisions are being made, and what kind of collaboration there is between the county and the city on these important issues that are affecting a lot of people in desperate need in our community. So we're going to throw the, the interview segment this week to Dave Anderson and we're going to hit play on that starting 
right now. Okay, Dave Anderson, thank you so much for joining me today. Great, Adam. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, to start off with, you know, uh, obviously the listeners uh, of CFRU are based in Guelph. Maybe don't get a chance to venture too far into Wellington County. So I, I just want to start by asking you to introduce yourself a bit and talk about your background and how long you've been serving as uh, as sure. a politician in, in the county. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Adam. I've, I've been involved in local politics for over 24 years. Um, we I live in the north part of Wellington County in the town of Mintel. Uh, I have been a mayor here for four years. I've been serving on county council. As a mayor, I serve in county council as a mayor's status. But the way our government structure is established, I'm now a regional councillor. So I represent the town of Minto at County Wellington as a regional councillor. I have chaired social services uh, for eight years, which is two terms. I'm starting my, my our municipal terms are four years. So I'm mm. chairing again social services again because I've social services is a very broad perspective and you learn from it on a regular basis. And uh, I have a lot of compassion about what's happening in our area and how it affects the people. So that's the reason why I'm sharing social services. Then, you know, from your vantage point, this is, you're, you're kind of the right person to ask, because I think there's a feeling that, um, I mean, obviously there is a crisis, but there's a feeling that the crisis has sort of like erupted, that it, it's gotten like so much worse than it's ever done. And so from your perch, like it, it is where we are right now in terms of the social services crisis whether that's homelessness whether that's mental health and addictions or whatever are we at like a, a worse point now than we've ever been in, in your experience we have we have but what we're experiencing adam is something that every municipality is experiencing all across canada north america this is not just centered to guelph wellington um the um, a lot of things that can attribute to that is the uh, the uh, pandemic that we've just survived with isolation unfortunately humanity hates isolation mm -hmm. and and it causes a lot of stress on people you know and and with com combining that with we've survived this lockdown if you want to call it for the couple of years and now we have high prices of food inflation uh, and people are just struggling you know from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck i've been at a couple of um, homeless symposiums in in the city in toronto and the unfortunate side of it is the answer to your one question is we we have seen this has been probably as much stress on us in a social services atmosphere as we've seen, but we have the worst is yet to come. And mm. we've been told in the next four years, it's going to get a lot worse. So what we're trying to establish <clears throat> is a program right now. What we're doing is we have a problem now and we try to we try to resolve that problem, but it's all short term. Right. We're trying to look at a long-term plan to establish a, a functional foundation to help the people in the most need. Mm -hmm. And part of that, and this is what I've gathered sitting in on social service committee meetings, is part of that is to make sure people don't get into a crisis position to begin with. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. And, and it's, you know, that's, you call that preventative maintenance. Right. Investing it at, at, a, at a beginning level, um, there's a lot less investment at that level to support people in need um, and until if they get to the other stage where they get homelessness and into the shelter system, it's a lot more cost to support those individuals at that level. Mm -hmm. Preventative and, and from, maintenance. Right. And, but, but from a management point of view, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like that's sort of like the new, 
a, a kind of a new way of looking at it. You know, the way that our social services system seems to be set up is to is that we catch people once they're in crisis. So we're not only in, in a, a crisis situation, we're trying to, re, I guess, rephrase how you combat that crisis by trying to prevent it from happening to begin with. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I guess this, I mean, how difficult that is that for you and, and other people on the social services committee or staff at the county who are responsible for administering that um, because you're changing, the, you're trying to change the way you do things while also, I mean, it's a bit like trying to catch a tidal wave in a, in a cup. <laughs> right. Well, the word is not change. Right. The word is adapting. Okay. So we, we have to adapt policies to meet the need. And that's an ongoing pro- process. Um, and, and you have to be flexible. Your policies are not cemented in stone. They have to be flexible enough to help the, the need and the demand. And that's what we've been doing. Um, one good thing we have going for us is the County of Wellington, who is the process server or the service provider for both all of Guelph and Wellington County. Um, we cannot do this alone as the mm. County of Wellington. We need partnership and partnership between the, the County of Wellington and the City of Guelph. And we have many other supporting partners that are helping with this. The Stonehenge, for instance. Um, the, um, we, we and the other, the Skyline Group, United Way. As what happens is homelessness and mental health addiction is the responsibility of the federal and provincial government. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get a lot of our funding from. The issue is we as, as service providers, we become the manager and how to invest that into our community to help best meet the needs of that community. Mm-hmm. The issues that we have, and I said this earlier, that every municipality in Canada is dealing with that same situation. So the federal and the provincial government are getting demands and requests from all other municipalities. Mm-hmm. What I'm finding is we've got a great structure in place that we, we are prepared to house people almost immediately. And we're doing that on a regular basis. So when we go to the federal and provincial government for funding, they look at our current structure and say, wow, they, they have their act together. Here's mm-hmm. the framework and what they're doing to move forward. To help our, and so that's why we've been so successful in a lot of federal provincial grants. So many municipalities aren't to the level that we are at, mm. and and because because that doesn't mean since we are in a we've got a I believe we've got a good structure in place to deal with this, and deal with the increase of this, but we can't stop not improving it. You can't you can't right. sit back on your on your hind feet. You've got to keep moving forward. But what part of what you're suggesting, too, is that it's not sort of like a lack of will at upper levels of government that maybe that, you know, they're getting hit by the dealers, too, with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of requests. And, um, you know, I, I to your point, you know, maybe we are a bit more organized here in Guelph, Wellington, as opposed to other municipalities. And I guess that helps us kind of rise to the top. But they're still being hit with all these requests for help. That's right. That's yeah. correct. Um. I wanted to ask, this is kind of another question sort of pertinent to, to you specifically, you way up in Minto, um, but, you know, obviously wealth comes up a lot in conversations about social services. This is kind of where the highest density of people in need are. Um, I imagine part of this, uh, part of the difficulty in managing this is the difference in need, like what a homeless person needs in Guelph is different than from what a homeless person needs in Minto. That is correct. The only difference is that the um, there's no shelter system currently in place in Wellington County. Um, the mm. only shelter surf systems that we have are in the city of Guelph and, mm. and a lot of support services are there. It's not meaning that we are experiencing 
some homeless people here, um, but per population, not at the same extent that's in the city of Guelph, there's no boundary for homeless people, right? When we do a, we do a point in time study, we do it every once every two or three years. This is, we get a, a fund from the provincial government to do this. So we actually go out uh, with a volunteer group and we, uh, we um, introduce ourselves to the people that are homeless. We want to know where they're from. We want to know what their needs are. We want to know what their names are. So we can actually get a, a, an idea of the real true people that are homeless. Some of them are really reluctant to give us that information, and that's fine. But you know what? It's, it's a good step. Uh, we are looking at that same program happening this February coming up. Um, mm. It's been two years since we've done that. And that gives us a better handle on, on giving us a perspective on what we're dealing with and what their issues are internally and what their need is. So, and that's another broader perspective uh, of moving forward and, and, and trying to address their, their needs and wants. So mm -hmm. we are looking in the future of establishing another shelter system. Um, it's going to be in the next two or three years. We're going to probably center it. Um, we started in the center of Wellington area because that's our highest population urban municipality in the county of Wellington. Um, uh, just because, uh, and then it, it will take a little bit of pressure away, a little bit from the city of Guelph but not that much, but uh, we, like, again, remember I said earlier, we, we have to keep changing to adopt to a need. That's another right. change we're trying to adopt to that need. Right. Um, that, that's interesting that there's sort of no shelters in, in central Wellington or in, in Wellington County, which might help explain why, you know, the, the problem is kind of more visible down here because we, we do have that draw um, that people know that they can come to Guelph and get service. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the uh, the governance structure a bit because I I know you know um, City of Guelph uh, City of Guelph Council a couple of weeks ago passed a motion to politely ask the county about looking at the governance structure and um, I imagine you would have some thoughts being the current chair of the Social Services Committee so from your point of view are there changes that you are looking at or that you think you might recommend that might give Guelph Council, I guess, maybe more of a say at social services um, or, you know, kind of expand that input. Mm -hmm. Yes. So basically, we got we got appointed by the Ministry of Municipal Affairs to be the processor mm. um, for social services. So that is so many regulations in social services is, is, is we don't generate we don't create these policies. There right. is a structure that's handed to us by the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing. Um, we were given that portfolio back, I believe it was in 2009. So what that means is that it makes us responsible for all social services for the city of Guelph and the county of Wellington. Now, some good things what we've done is um, the mayor, Cam Guthrie, sits on our, our social services committee. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he has been a member on our committee uh, for, I believe, six years now. Mm -hmm. um, he's 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 there as a member of our committee. He's got voting privileges on our committee. All right. Um, in our committee meetings, what we do is we have we have our committee structure. Mm -hmm. We also have a lot of councillors that sit on our committee in 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 the agenda meeting. Mm -hmm. um, now, Linda Linda Brissetto Brissetto. I'm I hope I am. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> a city councillor that I've gotten to know quite well. Um, recently, she's been attending our meetings. So what I'm doing is that we're expanding it to a point that we're getting more input from the city of Guelph and the Guelph councillors. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've had many meetings. We've had a couple of joint meetings with the city of Guelph already. Uh, and it's, it's just communication. 
communication, mm. communication, communication. When we have something come up on the agenda, what I do is how I work it is that we have a presentation on what the, our issue is on the agenda. Then once, it, once we get that presentation, I give my committee members a chance to ask questions. Right, so we go around the table. And then I ask our visiting counselors to ask if they have any concerns and questions. So I include Linda in that conversation. So by doing that and expanding it, we're getting a lot of more input you know, from members from the city council, from the city of Guelph. Um, it, I, I, would, I would invite more members to come. So mm -hmm. the, the invitation is open, right? Okay. And like I said, the communication lines are open. Uh, and dealing with so many things in social services, like I said earlier, we cannot do it alone. And the more stronger partnership we have, the better chance that we have in trying to deal with the issues that are happening, especially when everything is really centrally concentrated in the city of Guelph. And, and I recognize, um, you know, how, how you manage those meetings. But I mean, that's that's something you do as a, a benevolent chair. Um, if, if somebody else is sitting in that spot, maybe they aren't so benevolent with like having that sort of wider circle of of input around the, the table. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? What we do at the county of Wellington, we are always looking at approving. Mm. And right up front, I'm not going to be here forever. Right. Okay. Look at the color of my hair. I'm not going to be afraid. But, but what, but what I've done is I'm setting a, a, a parameter mm. of communication, and so that parameter parameter is a setting format in the way of governance. If you want to look at it, mm -hmm. and a lot I know, and uh, if sometime I do not end up chairing this committee, um, my following chairs will look at what we've achieved at this point, and if if it's, if it's working well, why change it, and why mm. not keep it expanding it. So I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect by any way, but what I feel, I feel comfortable in what's happening. And I, I want as much involvement as both from the city of Guelph and the county of Wellington involved in this. Look at this another way. I know that there are things that um, the city controls that the county would like more say in. And I, I, this is the area of land ambulance services. And I think yeah. mm -hmm. maybe some of your colleagues might be thinking this way. Um, but I mean, is there sort of like a, a I hate to phrase it like a quid pro quo, but I mean, is there a quid pro quo here where maybe there's more formalized involvement from city council and social services if there's more formalized input from the county on how ambulances are managed? Right. Okay. So that is correct. So remember when I explained to you how we got appointed um, to be the process of uh, provider, service provider from the province, mm -hmm. the city of Guelph have been appointed as the uh, basically the, the service provider for an land ambulance. Um, Chief Stephen Dewar uh, has attended our meetings on a fairly frequently basis and is very mm -hmm. upfront with us. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he is a very, if you call it non-biased working relationship <laughs> with the city of Guelph. Um, and it's funny because it's a tough job for him to do. Yeah. The city of Guelph, basically, even as large as it is, the intensification is much more tighter when you're dealing with and land ambulance in the rest of the county of Wellington, we have more area to cover. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's a tough equation. And we are, we have, we've had a, we had a joint meeting with the city of Guelph yep. and a presentation of our land ambulance um, service provider. Um, and that was back. I'm thinking, and if I'm in May, I think that yep. meeting was in May. We had with yep. a very go, good open uh, communication. There was uh, open dialogue between the city and the county, all of the city councilors and all the county councilors were all there. It was a great session. Um, and there was comments from that meeting that we should have more of those. Because, mm -hmm. you know, 
you're 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 generating partnershiping. You're you're getting into every. You can ask questions that people don't know, but has happened forever. Um, land ambulance is always a, another issue that you know you're setting up a framework or a service provider to to meet the needs of our community, um, and you always have to keep expanding that. Again, mm. as as needs change, we've got a, many great programs that are in place, uh, and we're going to continue on. The biggest issue we have is, is our stations now. Right. Um, we're able to, in the city of Guelph, you're made, able to, you set parameters of when you have to respond to a, a, an emergency call within so many minutes. Mm -hmm. Those minutes are almost impossible to meet at, at the rural area. Right. So that's what we're dealing with. Um, there was a study done back in, in 2017 by a consultant that looked at all the ambulance stations and, and their recommendations came forward of that. The reason why we didn't basically move on that because we need provincial funding again to mm -hmm. support a lot of that project and, and those reallocations of, of, of ambulance stations, not only in the County of Wellington, but also in the city of Guelph. Um, there's questions about re because that was so old <laughs> presentation, things have changed again. So they're mm -hmm. looking at, you know, we almost have to do another update right. to see how, what our time is where, and how can we do it most cost efficiently mm -hmm. and, and to try to meet those goals of the, the, the response times. Right, right, right. And so much of this is another thing that came up in that city council meeting here in Guelph a couple of weeks ago was the, I guess, the need for a new deal for municipalities I, to, to phrase it as it was phrased at that meeting. And, and, you know, what I think one of the things we're kind of getting at here is that um, Guelph and Wellington are, are you know, in, improving, improving relations, improving how services are delivered. Maybe we need more funding for things. Um, but I think we also need sort of like permission from the parent provincial government i guess the phrase it like that to sort of be able to um respond to these crises in our own way because a lot of you know pete i know this has come up in a lot of conversations um in the community about you know things are being referred to the county we go to the city of guelph to say well that's the county's jurisdiction or whatever um a lot of the crises or a lot of the i guess the answers to the crises we're dealing with are kind of this is like a new frontier so it would help if Guelph and Wellington, if the province could say, Guelph and Wellington, you figure out how you want to deliver these things and come back to us with a plan and then we'll fund it. Right. You know, because like we're, we're, I think Scott Stewart said this, you know, it's, we're, we're solving 21st century problems with 19th century rules. That's exactly right. Hmm. So I want to make a comment, just what you said right there. Sure. All right. That is my main goal hmm. in this open communication between the County of Wellington and the city of Guelph. Um, I would like to have more open communication, more open dialogue with joint meetings so that when somebody, a, a citizen from the city of Guelph goes to a Guelph counselor, that that's a push off. You know, that's that's not our responsibility. You got to talk right. to the county on this. Right. Um, so housing is the same thing, right? Um, you know what? That's not our responsibility. The county is regulating that. The, the proper answer is, this is the answer to your request. This is what we're doing. Mm. And it's mm. all in communication. And that can come with, uh, education and openness. Right. And, and we're, we're at a good point. And like I said earlier, we got to broaden that communication open. We have to have more joint meetings between the, the city of Guelph council and the county of Wellington counselors. Um, and the more dialogue we have, the more education and the background will help to, to answer those questions. And you can say, you know what? I don't want to say this is the city of Guelph's problem from the county's perspective. Right. I want to <laughs> say, you know what? Thank you for that problem question i don't know the answer but i'm going to get i'm going to talk to a representative in the city of Guelph in this case and i'll get back to you on that 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's nobody's problems. It's, it's right. you know, it's, it's, we work together to get these issues resolved. And there's always a, a response to every issue and every question. Right. And, and it's a matter of making sure everyone knows where they can get that answer. Correct. Correct. Right. What, what's worrying you right now as a social services chair? Like what, I don't, I don't know if it's keeping you up at night, but I'll phrase it like that. Like what's keeping you up at night? My sciatica nerve. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, no, you, when you add it, when you edit that, you can edit that out. Right? So, just... Nope. It's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know what? I am a, I got involved in this because I'm a very people person. Mm. Um, and what, what bothers me is the people that are as not as fortunate as I am that mm. have been had fallen through the cracks of our society um, that are basically broken. Mm. And, and normally they're broken because of the stress of society's put on them. Mm. And because of the stress, what they've done is they've turned to either alcohol or drugs. And once they turn to that area, then it goes downhill from there. And, and those individuals eventually lose their jobs, lose their houses, lose their families, um, and end up on the streets. Mm -hmm. So my, I, I hate people suffering. Mm. And I hate, I hate the idea that there are people that are starving. And so my goal is let's put something together to support those people. Now, the, the, tough, the tough answer to this question is there's a lot of people that want help mm. and support, and then mm -hmm. there's a small percentage that do not want any help and support. Mm. And, you know, one of, the, one of the, the missions that we have as the county, and this is right under our housing um, mission, is we mm -hmm. want to ensure effective, efficient, and fair provision of high-quality, affordable housing to residents of the Wellington County and the City of Wealth. And the County of Wellington Housing Services strives to create innovative solutions to local housing needs in an atmosphere of cooperation with our tenants and our local community. Mm -hmm. And it's putting people first. Mm -hmm. And so how can we do that in the most effective way? And, you know, we have, we're, we're innovative in such a way we've got so many projects in place to deal with this, but we're not going to be able to deal with we're not going to be able to get, we can't say we're going to take, we have room that we can take everybody off the streets in the 12th. Right. We can't say we have a program that we're going to help everybody get off their mental health and addiction issues. Mm -hmm. But what we strive is we try to get services in place to help those individuals because it just hasn't happened overnight. That they've developed these right. issues. That's right. And it's not going to happen overnight that we can get the, the, them all the help they need. It's a time frame. So right. my, my wish, my goal is to establish a long-term program to get as much support services as I can uh, for the people that need it in the city, go off in the county morning. Well, uh, th that sounds like a plan to me. Um, we'll, we'll see how it unfurls in the coming months, but I'm afraid we've run out of time, but Dave Anderson, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. It's appreciated. You're, you're welcome. Always a pleasure. Okay. And once again, that was Mr. Anderson. Sorry. I've been trying to <laughs> want to do that all day. Um, I wouldn't do it to Dave Anderson's face, but um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, David Anderson, he's a uh, Minto counselor uh, or uh, town of Minto, uh, Wellington County counselor and uh, chair of the Social Services Committee. Uh, keep your eye on the prize because uh, there's budget stuff all month long. Anyway, <laughs> a veritable matrix of budget stuff. It's a, oh, ooh, yes, mm. there is a matrix. So that's because that's also a math reference.
Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. Uh, if you'd like to listen to us again, you can download the show every Monday from our website at opensourcesguelph.com or on the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean. Or you can find the show on your favorite podcast app like Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can stay connected to us on social media as well. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. I'll be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for the movie review show that I co-host called End Credits. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson or go to my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter, X, and Blue Sky. And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday at 5, please stay tuned at 6 o'clock for the Turtle Island Underground. Who knows what time it is with daylight savings and everything. Oh, God, it's so messed up this week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Standard time. Standard time. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear all those great programs just like Turtle Island Underground here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for the show, we'll return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we will see you then.